the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Southern California Live. This is Scott Furrow, your guest host, testing positive today for a beautiful day in Southern California. Totally unbelievable out there today. Isn't it great? We get days like this. I guess this is the first time in a while we have been up above 70 degrees in lots of places in the Southland. And um, uh, I think it's fantastic. So uh, hopefully together we'll, we will get together for some conversation and some encouragement, some fun, and some building one another up so we can be more effective in our witness uh, to Jesus Christ. And uh, we're looking forward to that. You can give me a call today at uh, 888-LA-TALKS. That's 888-528-2557. Many things going on in the news today. Uh, more COVID hearings, still nothing from the Supremes about the uh, the mandates. Uh, last I checked uh, not too long ago. Uh, but give me a call, write down the number, 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557. You can also email me here at the show, SoCalLive at KKLA.com, SoCalLive at KKLA.com. So even on a fine day today, I hope you got your coffee, you're refueling for the rest of the afternoon for the drive for whatever it is that uh, you are doing. Uh, I've been saying, you know, is coffee biblical? Is there a way that I can get into the scriptures uh, with coffee? And I'm looking for it. I'm 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 looking for a way. And somebody said to me today, coffee is definitely biblical. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, Hebrews. I'm quite sure that uh, that's probably true. Do you think, do you think Jesus sat around with his disciples? You know, the Gospel of John tells us that Jesus had a whole lot of other things to say that you couldn't even have, there's not enough room to record it, not enough parchment to write it all down. Do you think he sat around and, uh, and gave him some coffee, you know, turned some water into coffee and said, hey, this is the future right here. This is something that people are going to be doing. I don't know. I asked my son if he thought Jesus, uh, we were having a conversation about whether or not Jesus told the disciples in private that one day people would walk on the moon. And uh, one day people would drive in motorized vehicles and try to, how do you explain that to a first century uh, audience? And what's interesting is my nine-year-old son, John, John is his name. My kids are James and John, the sons of thunder, which fits, frankly, um, but uh, they all turn out okay in the Bible, so I'm I'm praying for that result as well. Anyway, my son John, he says, I don't think so. I think it would be a sin for Jesus to talk about that. And I said, what do you mean it would be a sin for Jesus to talk about, uh, you secretly, privately tell his disciples that people one day will walk on the moon? And he says that my son, who's nine, he says it would be a sin because it would disturb the space-time continuum. Nine years old, coming up with that. Probably the movies and the other things, you know, but uh, he came up with that. Anyway, out of the mouth of babes, somebody said, out of the mouth of my son, John. Uh, he says some funny things sometimes, as I think a lot of your kids do. Anyway, I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad to be with you again today on this fine afternoon. And, you know, we have to talk about certain things. One of the things that we like to do in this program is talk about what's going on in the world. And I wanna try to give you a little bit of insight into some of the uh, COVID stuff today. I would love to not be talking about COVID. We'll try not to talk about it in the next hour, but we had the hearings today and we had the uh, Fauci and Rand Paul show once again, 
uh, this afternoon. And in this wacky world of COVID-19, uh, there's a CDC pamphlet. It's called Crisis Emergency and Risk Communication, and it's full of practical tools for uh, crisis and emergency. It came out in about 2014, the version of it I saw did, and it's about how the CDC wants to communicate when there's a crisis like this. And it says, um, we want to be right, we want to be, be first, we want to be right, and we want to be credible, meaning whenever there's a crisis, they want to be the first to talk about it. They want to be right. And they want to be credible in the information that they give. And I, and I think that makes sense, right? That is definitely uh, the right philosophy for uh, what the CDC ought to have. And they want to, the, you know, the document is pretty long, and it goes on to talk about how you avoid mixed messaging, delays, and confusion. And um, it doesn't really look like people have read that. It looks like, you read the employee manuals at, uh, at your workplace? Would you actually sit down and read, you know, here's our philosophy and, and stuff. Some companies, you know, they paint it on the wall. Uh, somebody once famously said, it doesn't matter what your manuals say, uh, or what your vision is, what your vision statement is, or what your values are. Uh, it's not what's written on the wall. It's what goes on down the hall. And that's what ultimately matters. What is practical? That's something that, uh, I want to talk about today. And there's a, there's a comment actually, that's getting a lot of press, but uh, something came out this afternoon that interestingly corrects it, corrects it a little bit more in favor of the uh, CDC. So I'll tell you about that a little bit. One of the things that's uh, going on is the CDC that is confusing. It's confusing to a lot of people. It's confusing to me. CDC is allowing infected healthcare providers to treat patients. Did you know this? That there is a, a rule that allows people who have tested positive, healthcare professionals who have tested positive but are asymptomatic or only have very minor symptoms to treat patients. And the confusing part about there's many things. I mean, already that's got to, you got to be saying, what? I mean, I've had to read this multiple times just to try to get it. It's like you're, you're letting people go if they're not vaccinated. And we're being told we have to quarantine and all that. Maybe all that's fine. But because of the shortage that we have of healthcare professionals because of these policies and because people are sick, uh, we may be having shut down right this fall because people are, are sick. There's lots of places, restaurants, some other places that are finding themselves unable to open because there's so many people sick with uh, the Omicron variant or just colds and flus, which people have. Anyway, I looked it up on the CDC website, and uh, here's what it says. Um, let's see. Vaccination status, uh, work restrictions for healthcare professionals with uh, coronavirus, uh, COVID-19 infection. If you're boosted, vaccinated, or unvaccinated, uh, the conventional thing is you have to be gone 10 days or seven days with a negative test, or if asymptomatic or mildly symptomatic, you have to be gone 10 days. That's the conventional wisdom there. Um, and then contingency, five days without a negative test or if asymptomatic, or mildly symptomatic. So they reduced it to five days um, because of the difficulties that we're having now, and that's been in the news a lot. Uh, you used to have to quarantine for 10 days. Now it's five, and they want you to get back to work. Okay. Uh, and what they're saying is that after five days, probably you're not contagious anymore, even though you still might have some minor, uh, you know, you might have some stuff going on symptom-wise. But in a crisis, it says no work restriction with prioritization considerations, asymptomatic or mildly symptomatic. Uh, these are people, healthcare professionals, who are infected. And it's boosted, vaccinated, or unvaccinated. 
And then there's a whole other section for people who are just ex- having an exposure. I think we're all exposed. I think all of us have walked through uh, a whole bunch of um, Omicron droplets wherever we've gone. I think that's probably true for everybody. Maybe that's a good thing. You know, in a sense that uh, if we get this and uh, we develop some kind of immunity, whether it's uh, natural or boosted or a combination of both, or whatever actually occurs, which is confusing to me these days. Um, but if you're exposed, uh, there's no work restrictions for contingency or a crisis and no work restrictions for conventional healthcare professionals. Vaccinated or unvaccinated, even with 90 days prior of infection, you still got to wait 10 days. Uh, there's no work restriction, though, uh, if you have a negative test on days one, two, three, and five through seven. I don't know what's wrong with day four. I couldn't find that. Somewhere in, in day four, there's some kind of, uh, uh, I guess, you, you don't test on day four. What do we have against day four? Anybody know? You can give me a call at 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557. Why does a negative test on day one, two, three, and then five through seven, why does that count? So day four doesn't count. I don't understand that. Not really up to me to understand that, I guess. So here, let me ask you this, this question here. Um, would you feel more comfortable having an unvaccinated person, healthcare professional, if you were in the hospital, okay, you're in the hospital, would you rather have an unvaccinated person treat you who's not infected or a vaccinated person who is infected treat you? Serious question. You know, how do you feel about that? Isn't that confusing? See, that's, I think it would take us a while to sort this out. What sort of, you know, uh, and I understand why they're doing that. We have a crisis. We probably have to do that. Lots of states are bringing in the National Guard to help with hospitals. Hospitals are are filling up. We have you know, the death rate is far less with Omicron than other things. But there's so many people with Omicron, the number of people passing away and the number of people in the hospitals uh, is just like any of the other peaks, apparently. What comfort level do you have today around infected people? Like if you discovered that you, somebody in the room with you is infected, um, what's your comfort level with that? 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557 is the phone number. What comfort do you have around infected people? And if you are in the hospital for something not COVID-related, would you rather be treated by somebody who's not vaccinated but not infected or somebody who is vaccinated and boosted and whatever uh, and also infected? I think that's odd, right? You know, it just creates this level of concern. And I spend some time trying to sort through this. I've got opinions, and I have a, a certain level of cynicism that probably will will travel into areas where uh, it shouldn't go, and I've got to rein it in. I even have levels of uh, optimism and trust sometimes where I really need to ask more questions. So I, I tend to read a lot, and I try to get into some things. So the head of the CDC this week, Rochelle Walensky, relayed a study on uh, Good Morning America showing that 75% of vaccinated individuals who died from coronavirus had at least four comorbidities. That's what she said. Now, what's happened in the media and what's happened with a lot of our conversations is, aha, we've been saying that all along, that most people who are, are, most of the people who have died have died with coronavirus, but not of coronavirus. And there's definitely been a movement towards this uh, and towards explaining that. But I thought, when I heard this, I thought that number, 75%, was odd. Like, it just struck me as I thought the number, 75%, you're saying this is what at least was reported. 
And I'm going to show you in a minute that this actually isn't right, that Good Morning America did something that changed what she said. And this is, a, this is something that we need to be able to do. Now I'm going to be curious about how much retract, retraction happens out there. There's almost no retractions, or you get a retraction, but it's a week later, no one's paying attention, happens on Friday night uh, in a tweet that nobody's reading. So she said that there's a study of more than 75% of vaccinated individuals who died from coronavirus had at least four comorbidities. And what struck me as odd is the 75%. And it struck me odd for a couple of reasons. Number one, it struck me odd because I think the number is actually much higher. I think in time, there will be a lot more studies of going back and looking through the death certificates and the hospital records to try to figure out how many people died of coronavirus versus how many people died with coronavirus. We're finally hearing this from all sides now. I mean, we were asking that question, you know, very quickly into this uh, uh, pandemic and the shutdowns uh, almost two years ago. And frankly, when I heard 75, I thought, that's too low. I think it's higher than that. That's what I think. I don't have the evidence in front of me, though, because somebody has to do that research. You know, that's what I feel. That's what my experience is. As pastor, I've known a lot of people who have, uh, have died And in almost every case, they were uh, very old or they had other sicknesses or they were very overweight in almost every case, Uh, vaccinated or not. That's the case. Um, That's just my own experience. Uh, I don't have data. I just have my own, you know, uh, story to tell as far as that goes. But I still thought 75 was weird. I thought, well, maybe it's political. Maybe they're getting ready to tell us, hey, you know, 90 percent of people who died of this actually had other stuff going on. Um, maybe it's not that bad, you know, hopefully not. What a crisis that's going to be. Uh, it's a crisis of trust, right? Because some of what, some of the reason this is a big deal is because if going forward, when we're all done with coronavirus and everything's back to normal, there'll be other pandemics. And there are certainly worse viruses out there. Some of the scientists and uh, people I've talked to said, well, you know, one of the things we're worried about is, you know, what happens if something that's super deadly um, it doesn't kill you right away, but it hibernates in you, you know, for, uh, they don't usually use the word hibernate. That's what I use, but it hibernates in you for a couple of weeks and you fly around the world, giving it to everybody before you know you have it. And that's a, a very serious concern that uh, a lot of people uh, who study this have and trusting the CDC or the WHO or our government or people who are going to give us this information, even in the media, we got to figure out how to do this. All right, so I'm asking questions. How many of these people uh, would have died without the comorbidities? Of the 25%, then I wanted to know, well, how old are they? Uh, What happened? How do we know this is the number? So I've been looking, and I thought, well, they're going to tell us the real number. But that 75%, it just seemed arbitrary. Do you have just a sense? Sometimes you hear something and you go, there's more to that, or something's wrong. Well, this is coming out this afternoon. And I think it's important that we we see this, because TV uh, edits stuff out. And all the networks do that. All the stations do that. Sometimes they do it just because they have a limited amount of time to fit things in. Sometimes they do it for bias. It's really clear sometimes when you watch the entire interview uncut of certain people that they cut out things that uh, clearly it's deliberate because it was so relevant to it. Uh, Sometimes it's incompetence, right? Somebody just cut out something that they didn't think was uh, relevant, and it just is. That happens. All right, it's how it goes. Sometimes I say stuff on here, and I don't realize how I said it, and then I hear about it after the show, and I don't have time to correct it. Luckily, I'm on most of the time, so I can correct it the next day if that happens. It happens. That's just the way this business goes. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your guest host. I'm talking about the reliability of information from the CDC. So here's something about this story. 
So in the interview with Good Morning America, that is where the the uh, lead of the CDC said and quoted this story uh, that basically says 75% of vaccinated individuals who died from coronavirus had at least four comorbidities. Are you with me? You've probably heard that. Well, now what's coming out is the unedited interview. And in the unedited interview, this is actually what she said. She said, you know, really important study, if I may just summarize it, a study of 1.2 million people who are vaccinated between December and October and demonstrated that severe disease occurred in about 0.015% of the people who were received their primary series and death in 0.003% of those people. Then that part was cut out. So the next thing she says is the overwhelming number of deaths, over 75% occurred in people who had at least four comorbidities. So really, these people who were unwell to begin with. So what's being reported is that the CDC data is telling us that 75% of people who have died of coronavirus uh, had other four or more comorbidities. But that's not actually what she said. She was referring to one study that happened between December and October. I'm assuming 2021. She doesn't say that. And really, this study was of vaccinated people and what are the percentages of people who died who are vaccinated. And out of that study of 1.2 million people, uh, 75% of a very small number of people who died uh, who were vaccinated uh, had at least four or more comorbidities. So actually, the, the point that she was trying to make is that even of the vaccinated who are dying, this is what she was trying to say, uh, they had a bunch of other comorbidities. See, I'm, I'm bringing that up because that changes the entire story, doesn't it? At least the story of what she said. Now, I still have questions. I still have the same questions about, you know, how many people overall of the nearly 900,000 people in America who have died of coronavirus, that's the number that we're quoting, how many of them died with the virus but really died of something else, how many of them actually died of coronavirus and out of that crowd, how many of them had other comorbidities? How old were they? What, you know, there's a whole lot of other data that we just don't have. But I'm, I'm saying this for our audience here because I want to try to develop a way of thinking that helps us, not just for our own benefit and not to say we're smarter than other people or anything like that, but to say that we should be, as followers of Christ, a little more patient and skeptical about things. And even when things come out that might not support our opinion or our cynicism or our skepticism or whatever you want to say, we have to go back and realize we live in a a very odd time where there is not a lot of opportunity through television, especially television, sometimes radio, for all the information to get out. And we're not given a lot of time to process that information. And sometimes even the news media, sometimes uh, people who are on the right and the left deliberately spin it another way. Sometimes it's accidentally they spin it another way. It's easy for us lay people to ask questions uh, also about things when we don't have a report about it. That's something else uh, that we have to say. You know, we, we're not getting fired. I'm not getting fired for speculating about coronavirus, you know, probably. Um, if I worked for the CDC, I would be though, right? When you're working for these government agencies or a hospital or in the healthcare field, you know, you're a lot more accountable for error. A lot of the things that you say, you know, I'm accountable, I suppose, you know, because I could get, you know, challenged and have to come back and say, Hey, I got it wrong yesterday. Uh, maybe I get booted off of Twitter. Um, uh, some of the people booted off of Twitter are booted unfairly. They, they are speaking the truth. Um, 
some of the people booted off of Twitter, though, really, really should be kicked off of there because they're not saying stuff that's true. Um, I've thought about it. I've thought I want to create maybe a fake Twitter account and see how far I can push it before I get booted. Uh, maybe I'll do that sometime this summer. But just something to think about. I think as citizens, we need to be asking questions and we need to push back. But as believers, I think that we need to realize that sometimes when something is explosive out there, uh, or even some of the stuff we hear from either side, it's not the whole story. Are you with me? Do you understand that, uh, what I'm trying to get out here? I think this is a great lesson for us, because ultimately, our conversation with the people that God has placed in our life, when you're talking about COVID-19 with your coworkers, with people at church, with people uh, in the park, wherever you go and the conversation comes up, We, as followers of Jesus, need to be on the side of truth as best as we can, even if we have to say, I don't really know. Even when we have to say, you know what, Uh, I'm not entirely sure about this. Uh, I'm not a scientist. You know, we should do that. I also think that people in science have to to give us some kind of um, caveat. You know, I think one of the things that's wrong is that particularly when the vaccines came out, for example, and they said, if you get the vaccine, this all said this last spring, if you get it, uh, you will not get infected and you will not pass it along to other people. That's what everybody said. The president said it, Dr. Fauci said it, news reporters said it. There's lots of stuff out there. You can go look at it. Well, none of that's right. What they should have said is, we hope that that's true. We hope that the efficacy of the of the shot means that you won't get it. We hope that this is true, but there will be other variants and there will be other things come along and as that's what they should have said. They'd have a lot more credibility. But the definite statements that sometimes we make, and then especially when we make them as experts, we got to be really careful. Just some thoughts for today. I'd love to get your thoughts about these things. 888-LA-TALKS is the phone number, 888-528-2557. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your guest host. I'll be back in just a couple of moments. Stay tuned. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Southern California Live. Scott Furrow, your guest host in once again today. I'll be here uh, today and tomorrow and also on Thursday. And we've got some good stuff coming up this week. I hope that you are having a fantastic day. And if you get a drive home today, I hope that you are enjoying this weather. Or if you're stuck in the office, I hope that you can look out the window and check it out. And if you are not Get outside, enjoy it. You know, one of my favorite things that happens, uh, you know, a couple of times usually during the winter is we get a pretty good heat wave, even hotter than this. And uh, you can go to the beach, you know, go to the beach in February. It's a, it's a different experience, right? The sun's in a weird place and everything looks different, but it's great. A wonderful thing about living here in Southern California. Phone number is 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557. If you want to join the discussion, Another thing going on in the news today uh, was the uh, Dr. Fauci and Rand Paul show. Uh, These two really go at it, and I know it's entertaining for lots of people, but it's serious business uh, what's going on there today. Go to uh, clip one, Wilbert, of uh, part of that uh, uh, Senate hearing today. Senator, we are here at a committee to look at a a virus now that has killed almost 900,000 people. And the purpose of the committee was to try and get things out, how we can help to get the American public. And you keep coming back to personal attacks on me that have absolutely no relevance to reality. Do you think anybody has had more influence over our response to this than you have? Do you think it's a great success? 
Do you think it's a great success what's happened what? so far? Do you think you, the lockdowns are good for our kids? Do you think we slowed down the death rate? More people have died now under President Biden than did under President Trump. You are the one responsible. You are the architect. You are the lead architect for the response from the government. And now 800,000 people have died. Right. Do you think it's a uh, winning success what you've advocated for government? So Rand Paul, Senator Rand Paul from Kentucky and uh, Dr. Fauci are going at it. And it very, very quickly today just got very personal. Uh, kind of from both sides, but uh, Dr. Fauci, who is not a politician, who is not somebody who has spent much time until recently seriously in the public eye, certainly not in a seriously uh, controversial situation. I, I saw a clip of him on Oprah from the 80s, I think it was, and he was uh, talking about AIDS, and there was some controversy in some of the work that he did back then, but nothing anywhere related to uh, what's happening today. And one of the things I thought is, let's listen to this and what's going on. Um, but then what do we do? Go to clip number two. So, again, Madam Chair, I would like just a couple of minutes because right. this, th- this happens all the time. You personally attack me and with absolutely not a shred of evidence of anything you say. So I would like to make something clear to the committee. He's doing this for political reasons. So what you're going to see and what you're going to hear, you're going to see it if you go online and you watch, is it just kind of, it tears down, and Dr. Fauci has gone through some different things uh, recently. And I really want to ask you this question. For coming from uh, maybe the pastor's heart that I have here, uh, and uh, going back even to our last segment, I got a lot of questions about how things have been handled. I don't think things from our government have been handled very well, at least from the communication and data standpoint. There's a lot of question about politics, and one of the things that Senator Paul is going after him about is, uh, old emails where um, they really seeked in, in Senator Paul's uh, mind to discredit people who were saying that the virus might have come from a lab that Dr. Fauci was involved with in Wuhan. And that was something that in 2020 was just a conspiracy theory, right? Uh, probably because Trump said it. Uh, but now it's something that people have seriously looked into and, and nobody knows for sure. The most recent report from Washington said we don't know. It was inconclusive. But uh, there's a lot of questions raised about that. So there's, there's legitimacy to many of the questions that uh, Senator Paul is asking and has asked in other times. But the, the personal side of it, it's going, it's going somewhere else. Here's something that I want you to think about for a second. And I'm going to play a, a rather lengthy clip. This will be Dr. Fauci's response. And he came prepared for this response. And you probably have different opinions about it, you know, Uh, pro-Fauci or anti-Fauci or whatever. Here's what I want you to to do. Imagine for a second, just to look at this in a different perspective. Imagine if Dr. Fauci is your dad or your grandfather, somebody that you know personally, or even Rand Paul. This is more about what Dr. Fauci is going to say. But even if Rand Paul, uh, Senator Paul, is your dad or your grandfather or uh, somebody that you know personally, uh, go to clip three. What happens when he gets out and accuses me of things that are completely untrue, is that all of a sudden that kindles the crazies out there, and I have life that threats upon my life, harassments of my family and my children with obscene phone calls because people are lying about me. Now, you know, I guess you could say, well, that's the way it goes. I can take the hit. Well, it, it, it makes a difference. Because as some of you may know, just about 
three or four weeks ago on December 21st, a person was arrested who was on their way from Sacramento to Washington, D.C., at a speed stop in Iowa. And they asked, the police asked him where he was going, and he was going to Washington, D.C. to kill Dr. Fauci. And they found in his car an AR-15 and multiple magazines of ammunition because he thinks that maybe I'm killing people. So I ask myself, why would Senator want to do this? So go to Rand Paul website and you see fire Dr. Fauci with a little box that says contribute here. You can do $5, $10, $20, $100. So you are making a catastrophic epidemic for your political gain. Now, that's uh, that's a lot. And that, I guess, is a true story that somebody uh, went and uh, got arrested for uh, you know, at least threatening to kill Dr. Fauci. Have we gotten to that place? And is the personal attack that goes on from the left and the right, from people in power, from people in authority, and both of these guys are people in authority, is it going too far and what do we do about it? 888-LA-TALKS is our number, 888-528-2557. And I asked you this question, what if he was your dad? And just something that I'm thinking about. I'm watching this today and I'm feeling like this is not good really from either side. We're not getting to any answers. And... We have an awful lot of chaos going on. What would you do if I were president? And I ask myself this all the time. What what would I do? You ever ask yourself what you would do if you're president? I actually have a book. It says what to do if you're president. It tells you what you have to do like your first few days. It's a very entertaining book for people like me because I'm a nerd with all of that stuff. You know the first thing you do is you plan your funeral, according to that book. And the second thing you do is you record your uh, Disney Hall of Presidents speech so that they can uh, put your uh, animatronic in the Hall of Presidents of Florida. I'm serious. That's like the second thing you do. That's the priorities uh, for the president. But then you have to get down to business and really do this. And I'm looking at this and I'm going, what if these guys were my dad? And the reason, the reason to talk about this is because scripturally, the reason for Christians to talk about this is something that is amazing that Paul tells us for how to treat people in the book of 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 1. Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. You know, it is, uh, and it goes on with other, other people of other generations. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters with absolute purity. This is how we are to treat people. And the context is certainly that's how we are to treat people in church. And we don't always treat people this well in church, do we? No. You know, that exchange with uh, Dr. Fauci and Senator Paul, that could have been uh, your average uh, Sunday afternoon church meeting between a couple of people, unfortunately. How would you deal with this? Mark Twain said, when I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant, I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much he had learned in seven years. I think that's pretty funny. And when you're younger... You always think things of the older people that uh, when you get older, you find out, oh, they were a lot smarter and more experienced than I thought about different stuff. So what would we do here? You know, one of the things that I think about, if he were my dad, I guess this is my thought is I'd want him out of there. And we have asked somebody who is 80 or 81 years old 
as Rand Paul said, to basically be the architect of our response to this. President Trump asked him to do this, and President Biden has uh, continued. President Trump sidelined him for a while, uh, and then uh, Biden brought him back. And, you know, I think one of the things that's going on is that as a society, we've lost trust in our leaders, and that's gotten just personal. If you're Dr. Fauci, you've got to be saying to yourself, you know, uh, I didn't expect to be 81 years old and either being you know, loved by half the country or hated by half the country or to have to defend myself or to be getting death threats and some crazy person uh, driving across the country to shoot me. So what should happen? Here's what I think. You tell me what you think. But I think I'm going to write our senators and I'm going to write the president, and I do that sometimes, uh, which has caused me some problems with my tax return, I think, at least one time. Uh, that's a whole nother story for another time. Actually, more than once I've had that problem. I think we need to replace the whole team. If you were my dad, I would hope that he retires. Get out of there. And uh, you've done your bit uh, and uh, you've given it your best, but you've been put in a position that you never should have been in to run the policy for the whole country. I think President Biden, this is the furrow plan for President Biden, he should replace the whole team. All the people who are dealing with this come up with a new team and then put out a poster and a national statement that says, we're going to have 15 days to keep our story straight. 15 days to get the story straight. <laughs> and that might be kind of funny, but we have to rebuild trust. And we have to hope and pray that that happens in our country. You know, people's criticism is not always useful or accurate, but perception is reality. And the perception of the CDC and the NIH, it's important that we actually can trust these, these organizations but we're struggling a lot. Just a thought, just something I thought I'd share with you. And also, just as you think about it, if you are enraged by Rand Paul or enraged by Dr. Fauci or any of these people, scripturally, you got to think of them as people. They need Jesus. I don't know where they fall on that, if they have faith or anything like that. But this is the way we are to look at the world. Christians need to have a worldview that is about salvation because this is the worldview of Christ. And the thing is about coronavirus and whatever is happening, it's not increasing death. Everybody who's died of coronavirus was going to die of something eventually. And everybody who in the future is going to die of it or some other disease are going to die of something. Coronavirus does not increase death and neither does war and neither does any of the other things that uh, take our life. The best hope we have, the only hope we have is faith in Jesus Christ for all of these things. You're listening to Southern California Live. The number is 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557. This is Scott Furrier, your guest host. I'll be back in just a couple of moments. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow here with you today. You can give me a call at 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557, and join the conversation. It's a beautiful day, and uh, I don't know about you. I like to drive. I like to be out in the car, and I like to see what's going on in the world. And uh, even if I'm in traffic, I don't like the traffic that much, but uh, I might have an audio book on. If this show is not on, obviously, I'd be listening to this show and uh, or other things right here on KKLA or KPRZ. And uh, maybe I have a phone call going on, but I really love to be out there, especially on days like today. Hopefully where you are, you can see the mountains, you can see other things. Did you know, do you have a Tesla? Do you drive a Tesla? I do not drive a Tesla, but uh, I've been in them before. Have you ever been in them where somebody is doing the automated driving thing? 
I don't know how I feel about that. I guess I, I haven't felt too good about that until my, my, my older son, when he was eight, on his eighth birthday, I said, what's it feel like to be eight? And he said, I'm halfway to my driver's license. And suddenly I became a lot more interested in, uh, in these cars that drive themselves. But I've been in a car with somebody doing that, and I find it terrifying. It's like, put your, you know, pay attention to what you're doing. I really do not want you checking your emails, you know, while we're driving. Well, Tesla came out with uh, an update of their full self-driving software, and it lets drivers choose between three driving profiles. Uh, I'm not even kidding. Chill, average, or assertive. That's what it is. You get to pick. I heard this. I thought it was a joke. It's not. You can have driving profiles for the self-driving, chill, average, or assertive, and it dictates how the car is going to behave in different scenarios. And the thing is, is that uh, assertive Teslas are pre-programmed to allow for all kinds of things, rolling stops, California stops. They can follow other cars more closely. I don't know what that means. Like, is it, is it actual tailgating? Uh, it's pretty aggressive though, right? And it can swap lanes more frequently. It even, uh, you can have a setting on there that says do not exit passing lanes. So I guess when you're uh, in the passing lane, I don't know if, uh, you know, California, do we have passing lanes really? Is the left lane really the, we've always called it the fast lane. I've always called it the fast lane. But around the country, often the left lane is the passing lane. And uh, you're not really supposed to drive in it unless you're passing somebody on the right. That's what it's there for around the country. I don't think that's really true here in, in Southern California. Um, but, uh, it has a feature on it that, uh, you'll never exit that left lane. It'll just cruise in the left lane, no matter what's happening, even though, uh, you're really supposed to get out of the way and let other drivers go. Uh, what do you think about this? The assertive driving. Now I'm not so sure that I want my kids, uh, uh, a part of that. And what kind of meeting do you have? Do you have a meeting where you're with people and you're like, Hey, let's program our cars to, uh, to break laws in a California sort of way. California stop, that's okay, right? Most people are fine. Most people are okay to uh, to check that. Uh, the National Highway Traffic Safety uh, Administration is investigating a series of crashes with Tesla's autopilot feature. There's one where uh, people got in the back seat. I guess. Is that possible? I thought you had to keep one hand on the wheel. I thought at least you had to, they had to give the car some indication that uh, you're paying attention that you haven't gone to sleep. You have a Tesla? Let me know. Call me up, 888-528-2557. How does this work? I've got a friend who puts on his social media. Uh, he does all this stuff while he's driving because the car's on the automated thing. And it terrifies me. I think to myself, I'm going to watch my friend die uh, or get in a wreck or do something, something terrible like that. Uh, that is going on. 888-52-TALKS, that's our number, 888-528-2557. There are lots of other things going on. And by the way, I wanted to mention something else too, is that uh, yesterday we talked a lot about uh, schools and the things going on in our schools in our country and that the Chicago Teachers Union has shut down those schools and the mayor, Lori Lightfoot, was against it. And something that uh, I I thought was very encouraging is that she felt empowered to uh, do something about it because of parents' involvement because parents were emailing and parents were um, going to meetings and parents were involved. And uh, like we've talked about earlier in this hour, we can't go and be involved in these things and be a jerk. You know, that's the thing. That's the headline for the Tesla thing. Tesla lets you drive like a jerk, that you can program it and just be a jerk the way you drive. Don't drive your Tesla as a jerk to the school board meeting and then don't be a jerk to the people on the school board. 
but you definitely should be around. And uh, it was reported today that the Chicago schools have reopened. They're going to resume in-person classes after the teachers union in the city makes a deal. And I think, I think that this happened because uh, of the show, obviously, because we talked about it yesterday. No, it happened because <laughs> uh, it happened because you got involved. And in this hour, we've talked about the confusing things coming out of our government, the confusing stuff from the CDC, the arguments between Dr. Fauci and uh, Rand Paul. And I want to encourage you to continue to get involved. And as believers, uh, we need to pay attention to the things that are going on, but we also need to do the right thing and do it well. We need to respect each other as we can in every way. Like it says in First Timothy, do not rebuke an older man harshly. It doesn't say don't rebuke an older man. It says don't do it harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. And then treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. Do we do that? Do we think about it? If there's a verse for you to memorize, I think that's a good one for us to memorize. You know, exhort, it means to strongly encourage or urge people to treat uh Young men as brothers, what does that mean? Well, you know, maybe we throw them down the stairs. I guess that's what my, uh, my two boys do to each other. Uh, but, uh, you know, my boys, they'll, they'll fight each other. You know, they get in trouble. I have, said all, I have said all of the things that you say you don't want to say as a dad. Like, I'm going to pull this car over. I have to threaten all kinds of stuff because they'll go after each other. It's amazing. You know, he hit me in the face. Well, he kicked me in the shin. And how do I deal with that? I think you treat young men as brothers, though, and you kind of have that, that kind of bond because something about my boys that's very, very true is that they do have a bond. They love each other. Even though I have moments where I think, you know, one of them's throwing a, uh, you know, a Tonka trunk at, uh, truck at the other one's head, that maybe they don't love each other very much, but actually they do. Treat older women as mothers. Do you do this? Do you treat older women uh, as you would your mom? Uh, you probably shouldn't ask, are you an older woman? I'll treat you like uh, my mom. You don't say it, right? But this is how we lift people up. And this is this is what Christians should have a reputation for, right? Younger Treat young women as sisters with purity. You know, the way that we treat young women, the way that we treat young women, it matters, doesn't it? It matters that we lift them up, that we treat them with purity, Um this is how we do it. We should do it as a church family, but we should also do it as people who live in a culture that has lost uh, so much respect for one another. And people struggle with all of these things so in so many ways. Do we do this? I think it really, really matters uh, to do it like this. 888-528-2557. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your guest host today. And uh, we've been talking about how to treat people, how to, in fact, investigate what's true with different stories in the news and different things that are out there. Uh, it matters a lot the way we treat people. And um, uh, I think it really it matters greatly. The Olympics are coming up. Do you watch the Olympics? Are you interested in what happens in the Olympics? Uh, it's going to be interesting with... Uh, the Olympics being in China again, and maybe uh, maybe next week I may have a guest on. Uh, we're going to see who's going to talk to us about some ministries in China and some different things. I don't want us to lose to lose the idea that with some of the tensions that we have with 
China, that the billion-plus people who live there, most of them are not involved in it. They're doing their thing, trying to live their life, and we need to love people. And there are so many great ministries, actually. The Chinese government uh, has promised that the athletes would have free access to uh, the Internet. So they're kind of opening up while the Olympics are in Beijing. I remember this happened the last time they were in Beijing. What was it, 2008 or 2012? Uh, One of those when it was the Summer Olympics. And we were planning on going on a mission trip to China, and we actually canceled it. We canceled it because we didn't know what was going to happen once the Olympics were over. And the thought was, and we didn't cancel it. We were going with uh, uh, a Chinese congregation that is uh, we were working on planting. And they were going, and we were going to go with them. I was going to go with them uh, and some people from our church. And he canceled it. They canceled it because they thought, you know what? We don't know what it's going to be like. It might be pretty harsh. It might get pretty harsh after the Olympics is over. But here's something to think about. While China is open, whatever that means, open to the Internet, open to things that they otherwise wouldn't, would you think about praying for missionaries and people who are going to China, people who are involved? There's an opportunity uh, because of that openness. And it's just a show, right? It's a show for the world. See, we're open. We're doing fine. Uh, Don't look at what's going on in Hong Kong. You know, we don't want to do that. We're, uh, we're shutting down Hong Kong as much as possible. They're, they're tearing down all the statues of freedom uh, and all of those things there. It's pretty bad. It's a story that we're ignoring uh, mostly. And uh, the Chinese government and their treatment of uh, the Uyghurs people, that's been in the news because of a Tesla plant apparently that's opening there or a store or something. We need to be uh, thinking about that. But I want to encourage you during this time to pray for that country, pray for our missionaries who are there, and pray for the church. There is a church in China. Some of the churches are, you know, I want to say above ground. They are state-operated churches that are kind of there so that the government can say, see, you can have, you can have church. Uh, you're just not allowed to share your faith or do Christian stuff outside the walls of those churches. And when they get mad at you, they blow up the church. Uh, it's happened a couple years ago to one of the larger churches that was there but there's a lot of Christians who are in China. In fact, one of the places where Christianity is growing faster than anywhere else in the world is China. Did you know that? Where it's illegal, where it is persecuted, it's growing very, very quickly in China. And this is an opportunity for us to think about that, for us to pray for people in China. And as tensions, I think, are going to grow, I've been telling you that we're, you know, we're talking about domestic things right now and coronavirus and all of that. But I'm telling you, this year, 2022, I think foreign policy will become the political issue at some point this year, and China's a big part of that. So I want to encourage you to pray, and as you watch the Olympics, as you're involved, you know, think about it in a deeper level. Think about how you can pray for China. Think about how you can pray for uh, the underground church there, for lack of a better term, and uh, pray for the Chinese people. Uh, this is a time that uh, generations are are changing, and uh, maybe it won't go the direction we think. Maybe it will go uh, it will go uh, in a direction of peace and freedom, and uh, many more people will become Christians. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your guest host for today. We're live every weekday from 3 to 5 right here on KKLA and KPRZ in San Diego, all around the Southland. Visit kkla.com if you're in the Los Angeles area for more information and kprz.com in San Diego. I'm Scott Furrow, your guest host. I'll be back in a few minutes. Stay tuned. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.